Hallelujah. Today, I'm grateful to be in your presence. I give honor to the Spirit of God. To the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. Hallelujah. Whatever our plans were, they go to the backside. Because he is here. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm so grateful to be in your presence. Please take your seats. I'm so grateful. This is a moment where we connect with the Lord. There was a, a, a scripture in the Old Testament where Solomon first built the temple. He finished the thing that his, his father could not do. His father David couldn't build the temple because there was too much blood on his hand. And the scripture says that Solomon was allowed to build the temple. And when he built the temple, the first time they came in there, the presence of the Lord came in. And in that moment that the presence of the Lord came in, they could no longer stand to minister. Meaning the job we were supposed to do, we couldn't do because the presence of the Lord is here. That's what I want it to be like. I'm come to preach presence of God so tough, I can't even preach. Minister loses mind on the drums, can't even play the drums. I want us to lose our place where we're supposed to be singing. I want the Holy Spirit to come in, into our hearts. I think the second Chronicles 7 and 14, if somebody could find that real quick, that's not where I'm going, but second Chronicles 7, 14. And, they, and the scripture tells us that when the presence of God came into that place, he began to hear the people's word and the people's prayer. And second Chronicles 7, 14 tells us that God's posture to his people, once they invited him in, changed at that moment. And he said something like this. If my people, if my people which, are called by my name, which are called by my name, would humble themselves, would humble themselves and pray. And pray. And seek my face. And seek my face, and then what? And turn from their wicked ways. Yes. Then will I hear from heaven. I'm going to hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sins. And I'm going to forgive their sins. And I will heal their lands. And I will heal their lands. That's why we invite him in. That's why we're so adamant about the presence of the Lord. Because in his presence is healing. In his presence is life. He's going to hear our prayers in his presence. So I'm so excited about ushering in the presence of God. Hallelujah, none of it in the form in the presence of Jesus. There was a song we sang earlier, and I'm, I, there's certain ones I can't let go of. You, you've got to excuse me. Um, but it says, clean my hands. In fact, I think I stole two of your PowerPoint slides and just slipped them underneath the Word slides. So if you go next, I planned this completely. I, it says, clean my hands. Purify my heart. I want to burn for you. I've been talking about this. It kind of knocks straight into my, my whole message on this idea of what the Lord is doing with us. Putting us through things to make us into what he wants. Land's not fertile enough, so I've got to burn that which is there. Yeah, to make the land fertile. The stuff that was just green but not fruitful, I've got to cut that down. It looked alive, but it really wasn't alive. It really wasn't fruitful, it wasn't helpful. So he's going to take away all the green stuff and let it burn. And the only thing left is going to be the fruitful land with which he can make his presence known. Oh gosh. It does look fruitful. When you look at it, green things, you say, ah, that's doing well. But if it's not giving fruit, is it fruitful? That's just leaves. I need something that's giving forth fruit. 
So don't be surprised if some of the things that are in your life right now get taken out and you're wondering why they're no longer, they just got burned by the fire. To make room for him so that you had something fruitful in your life. He says, I want to be tried by fire. Go to the next slide, I planned this out. Go to, I want to be tried by fire, purified. You take whatever you desire in this. I'm just going to let leave behind only what you desire, Lord. That's a, that's a tough prayer, right? That's a tough song right there. To take out all the things that I've got comfortable with. Take out all the things that make me just do what I was doing last week. Take that out. So I need to get to another level. I don't know if you've ever got comfortable with being just comfortable, even though you know you need to do more. And you just settle into the pattern of every week and every day, and you let it keep going, and you let it keep going. And until you get something that breaks the cycle, you will do what you've always done. What this song is asking us to do is to break the cycle. Hallelujah. Break the chains of the things that I've been doing. Make me better, Lord. Ah. Can you just sing the top of that song for me? To purify, you take whatever you Yeah, I like that. Lord, here's my life. I want to be
is I'm Lord, here's my life. Lord, here's my life. I want to be tried by fire. You're You take whatever you desire. Lord, here's my life. are better off in your hands. I'm giving it up to you. I'm, I'm done with taking care of it because I mess it up always. <laughs> so I'm giving it back to you, Lord. Hallelujah, I'm giving it back to you. The scripture we've had last week is still something that's been on my mind. Uh, my wife said, you cut early. I said, I didn't cut early. I was getting ready for this week, last week. She said, I cut early. I said, no, 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 no. I didn't, I think I've got a plan, and, I'm, I'm, and the Lord's kind of speaking to me about this one, so I wanted to go back, if I can. Second, ten, second Corinthians, excuse me, 10 says, says this, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Uh, we do so much in the body that we think that's where the fight is. Paul's speaking to this Corinthian church, and he's telling them, the things that you're going through, I know um, that's where you think the fight has started, but that's not where the fight started. The fight started long before you acted it out in the flesh. And so he's trying to let them know that the fight that you're having in the flesh, that's a byproduct of something that's already occurred. That's happening in the flesh, yes it is. It's happening and the, 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 the sin and the, and the things that you're doing wrong. Um, I was trying to figure out a PG-13 way of telling you about the things that were going on in that church. And it was difficult, it was, it was terrible stuff. And Paul's talking to them, he's saying, you've got to get this right. But the way he tells them not to, to get it right isn't by just simply saying, don't do the thing. Yes. He says, you've got to get things under control in your mind first. Yes. Like telling somebody not to do it is certainly one way to stop it. But the truth is you want to stop the problem at the heart and the root of the issue. And so this is what he's addressing in 2 Corinthians 10. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, if this is a fight, and everything, we're still walking the flesh, and you're saying it's a flesh, fight over your flesh, but he says, for though the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, and we said that strongholds are really just castles, just a, another way of describing, we're gonna take out the problems that are warring in our flesh by taking out the strongholds that are holding you to that problem. We're gonna destroy the enemy that is holding us captive in our own, in our own persons, in our own body. And Paul is inviting a fight, but not a carnal one. You wanna come up swinging, I know. You know that if you could get a hold of a weapon, you would do it and take the fight that way, but against yourself, that doesn't work. You've got to take this fight to the center of who you are. <laughs> so verse, uh, the, the verse uh, four says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. That's the word carnal means. It's not fleshly. It's not this thing. It's not this body. You think it is. That's the outcome of it. Um, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. They are not carnal, meaning they are spiritual, 
and they are made mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Like if you want to win this fight, the way to do it, and I know discipline is a really, really helpful thing, but the way we're gonna do it is through our spiritual discipline, not a physical one. <laughs> to the pulling down of strongholds, verse five, Casting down, this is the part I need to get to, casting down the imagination. Imagination, the word here is destroying or throwing down the arguments, the ideas, the thoughts, and every high thing, anything else that puts itself, exalts itself against the knowledge of God. There is a knowledge of God and there are things that are putting themselves between you and your God. They are suggesting to you that they are a better solution than the, than the Lord is providing to you. Jesus. It is trying to create an idea that that's not the right way, this is the right way. <laughs> and he's suggesting to you, to, to, to the people in Corinth, and he's suggesting to us here today that we've got to cast down these very imaginary, these thoughts that are in us, that are creating these, these, these moments that are taking us off the path, we've got to cast them down. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought. We've got to throw into jail every single thought to the obedience of Christ Jesus. I don't care what the thought is, I'm making you obedient to Christ. You, you know what you think about yourself reflects how you are? What you think about yourself reflects what you are. You know, I, <laughs> I never can countenance when my friends speak badly about themselves. Why? Because I refuse to accept, even, even if that's the current future, current present issue with you, I refuse to accept that that's the future for you. And I want you to lay a hold of the future that is better than the present. So sometimes when, I know you, we've got to kind of, I like to, I like to good wine every once in a while. I like to kind of really just get that off my, grind my gears and say how bad the day was. After I've got it out of my system, however, but I've got to say, man, tomorrow's going to be better. Why? Because I want to position my posture for tomorrow, not rooted in what happened yesterday that I cannot control, but in, an, in a hopeful future that is grounded in faith. It is just my natural disposition to do so. So I fight against the thoughts that would anchor me to problems that I can no longer solve. <laughs> I've told you before, I've had f whole arguments, whole fights with ideas and people that have never happened. And my wife said, why, are you looking, why does your face look like you're mad? And I'm gonna explain why I actually didn't have an argument at all, it was all happening here. Why are you looking upset? Well, it's because I was having a fight that never actually occurred. Can you, you know how silly that sounds in actually saying it out loud? But that's what we do, we get captured by our thoughts rather than making them captive to us. I'm going to turn the tide on this and make my thoughts put them in captivity rather than putting myself in captivity. You've, the balance of the warfare in you has got to shift. I know what they're saying. You don't need to join them in what they're saying. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me get in here. 
verse three says, first, excuse me, verse five, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of God. Our thoughts define what we are going to do. In fact, our thoughts impact our feelings. Our feelings impact our actions. It's just the way it goes. You, you can put a good thought in your mind and have good feelings about the day, even though there's no evidence it's gonna be the way you're feeling. You can, you can say to myself, you know, today's gonna to be a good day. You know, my wife will be on time this morning. You know, you know what I mean? You can, you, you can just say these things and get yourself in a good spot. And then when your feelings are there, your actions reflect it. Oh, I'm gonna make the breakfast because I know she's gonna be on time this morning. I'm gonna do everything I need to. My feelings connect to my actions. Sometimes doubt, that the problem sometimes we have is that we let our actions and our feelings determine our thoughts. Ah, the, the, letting your feelings determine everything is the wrong way round. You see what I mean? Have you ever uh, said, I'm gonna do something and you're so excited to do it at the time, at the very second you're excited to do it? It wasn't the thought, you didn't start with a thought, you started with a feeling. You're so excited about it, I'm so excited, I'm gonna get this done, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this. Then the feeling goes away. You do not do that thing because it wasn't, it didn't start with a thought that you, were, that you could ground on. It starts with a thought first. And, and people that want to help and do stuff, they get enthusiastic and they start with feelings. And I want to start with who I am, what I am, and why I am. The thought is more important than the feelings. Amen? Let's go to Romans chapter 12 and verse 13. Verse 3, excuse me. 1, 2, and 3. Verse, Romans chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. Sir, could you read that for me? Romans 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. I beseech you, beg you, request of you, yes. You, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, yep. that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Okay, this is kind of, this is, this is Paul speaking to the Romans now. Same thing. Your bodies aren't doing what you're supposed to be doing. I want you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Keep going. If you present your body a living sacrifice, yep. holy. Yep acceptable Ex unto God, right. which is your reasonable service. Doing that, letting your bodies do the things that the Lord wants them to do, is your reasonable service. He's a reasonable exchange for having him saved your life, for him saving your soul. The reasonable exchange is that you give that body back to him. Like in service to him, you say, Lord, the things that I was doing before, I'm not going to do them now because in service to you, I'm going to make my body for you. Yeah. The word holy, don't get bogged down by the word holy. I know we, we kind of think about the word holy as being one of those churchy words that we can't possibly obtain to, right? But holiness is, is simply put, it's something that is preserved for a particular purpose. That's what it means really to be holy. It's only for that one thing. Holiness for that. Th so for example, if I have a book at home, and I say it's holy, I can only use it maybe in reading in one place. The, the example I love to use is my toothbrush. Talked about this before. My toothbrush can only be used by me. 
It is the holiest thing I, I don't, my wife and I have been together for 25 years. You do, we, if we're on a desert island and only have one toothbrush in its mind, no one else is using it, I'm afraid. That's just, it's just my toothbrush. It's mine, we can't share that. It's holy. So when he's saying, I want your bodies to be holy, he's saying God's not willing to share you with anybody else. It's reasonable when you think about what holiness is. Like if I, if, if I saw anybody even brush against my toothbrush, I don't even want it anymore. And the Lord is saying, I want you to be that to me. I want you to belong to them. I want you to belong to the Lord. <laughs> That's what holiness is for us. We belong to God. Amen? Amen? What's the next verse, sir? Verse 2. And be not conformed uh, yeah. to this world. Yes. But be transformed by the renewing of your life. Ah, okay, so if I am going to do this holiness bit, if I'm going to be the Lord's, the way my body becomes holy, verse 1, is by what? Read verse 2 again. And be not conformed to this world, yeah. but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's not going to start with what you do with your body. Right. It's going to start with what you do with your mind. You, we start in the equation the wrong way around sometimes. It begins, we think, with telling people, well, just don't do this, don't do that. And their minds are still the same way, and so they end up doing the same. Their thoughts are leading them to the same feelings, their feelings are leading them to the same actions, and we haven't dealt with the mind yet. Keep, keep reading, sir. Don't be like the rest of the world. But be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good yes. and acceptable yes. and perfect. When your mind impacts your thoughts, and your feelings impact your actions, you end up doing the will of the Lord because you have made your heart the Lord's. <sighs> when you make the, your heart the Lord's, man, what your feelings feel like is easy because your thoughts are grounded there already. What I do then becomes just a function of what I'm feeling. I'm committed because my mind just tells me I love the Lord and I, I've got to follow that feeling. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right. <laughs> Let's keep going, sir. And be not conformed to this world, yes. but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That is all the proof you need yes, for that which is acceptable for God. Let's keep going. Verse, verse, next verse. Verse 3, for I say... Here's an interesting one, yeah? Keep going. Every man yep. that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Interesting. He says here, don't get too ahead of yourself, though. I want you to be really careful because we've got to ground who we are, not in who we really are, but keep going. What does it say? To every man yep. that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, yeah. but to think soberly. Think about this. In a with graveness, keep going. According as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. You're supposed to think about yourself not with what's going on, but with the faith in God. Amen. Who am I then? Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> am I the thing I was 10 minutes ago? No. I am the thing God is leading me to believe about myself by faith. Yes. Preach out. Preach out. 
I am a child of God, <laughs> not because of the evidence of the last 10 minutes, but because of the faith he's given me. You want to know why I think that? Because he gave me the faith to believe it. And because I think it, I feel it. And because I feel it, I do it. I've got to do this thing because I think, feel this thing. I've got to feel this thing because I think this thing. And I think this thing because God has given me the faith to believe it. You want transformation? You want change? It's going to be gleaned with how you're thinking about yourself in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah, glory to God. Uh, Romans 8, let's go to Romans 8 really quickly. Verse 8, Romans 8, verse 8, Romans 8. I've got a, quite a few scriptures, so be patient with me today. Romans 8, verse 8, it says, So, yes. then they that are in the flesh yep. cannot please God. Oh, wow, he's, he's really hit me in the gut here. Because those that are in the flesh cannot please God. Absolutely cannot. You're running off emotion. Have you ever heard the saying, uh, the young folks say, he was, I was in my feelings today? <laughs> I was all in my feelings. What they're saying is, I wasn't thinking, I was just acting. I was being fueled by something that wasn't a conscious thought. I just let my feelings, I just let my actions run away with me because that's how I was feeling. Have you ever seen a child who's experiencing anger for the first time? They don't even know what to do with themselves. They fling themselves around. They don't know how to control it. They're on the floor rolling around. Why? Not because they're thinking and feeling and acting. No, they're just feeling. It's just coming out of them and they're just screaming at the top of their lungs. They're not thinking about how it looks. That's your job. Amen. They're not thinking about how it makes you feel. They're just all in their feelings. Have you ever had an argument where you're halfway through the argument and you say to yourself, man, if I stop right now, I can probably save this whole friendship. If I stop right now, if you've done it, if I stop right now, I can, I can save the whole day. But what do you do? Because you're in your feelings and not in your thought, you just keep going. You just keep saying everything you're not supposed to say. Sitting in, that's what the scripture is saying here. You cannot please God if you let your flesh dictate what you're doing. You've got to start with the thought and that thought's got to be in captive to Christ. Uh, I hope this makes sense. I hope this makes sense. You've got to start not with how you're feeling because your feelings will be deceptive. I've said this before. If you see me walking down the street and I look like I'm in a terrible mood, randomly, weird, why is, why is uh, Mark walking down there look, looking like that? Hand me a Snickers bar, I promise you. The reason why is probably because I'm hungry. That's my body, my thoughts get out, uh, I can't get the, I know what's a good, I'm like it's a sunny day, why am I feeling like this? I, you need to hand me a Snickers bar immediately because my body, is determining my actions, my feelings are determining my actions. It happens to the very best of us, but the scripture is telling us you don't please God by letting your body just run ramshot over your life. You've got to start with your thoughts. And that thought's got to be captive and obedient to Jesus. Does that make sense? Uh, uh, verse 8. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot... 
Yes. But ye are not in the flesh. But you're not in the flesh. That's not your issue. Ah, this is what the, I love this scripture. You're not in the flesh. <laughs> That's not what's leading you. Ah, let's keep going. But you're not in the flesh. Yes. In the spirit. In the, and this is talking about Holy Spirit now. The reason why this is talking about Holy Spirit is because he's saying the spirit is influencing you in such a way that your thoughts have to be in obedience to Christ because the spirit of Christ is in you. It's influencing you. Let's keep going. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. This is why I kicked off this whole thing with by saying, Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Because the scripture tells me that if I don't have the spirit, I'm actually none of his. I don't belong to him, actually. You may as well let the flesh go and run ranch up. Because he's saying the Holy Spirit is what makes you his. The Holy Spirit is what makes you captive, those thoughts captive to Christ. I love this. So you're saying, you might be saying to yourself, well, what, what, how, what does the Spirit do to help me? I've been setting this up from the beginning. Romans 8, chapter, verse, jump down to verse 25, sir. The reason why the Spirit can help is because that's what it's designed, that's what he is designed to do. He is designed to come in and help you. He is designed to come in and help with all the things you're weak at. Verse 25, let's go, go sir. But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Yes. Likewise, yes. the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. The infirmities word here are, can be interpreted in two ways. is where sicknesses and our deficiencies or our weaknesses. Some of us, I've started this premise that it starts with thoughts, but some of us are in a bad position with our thoughts already. That our thoughts themselves are leading to bad feelings, and those feelings are leading to bad actions. And you're saying to yourself, how do I get the start of this whole thing resolved? How do I get it if my thoughts are so badly broken by what I've gone through? How in the world do I get to good feelings? It's a good question because you need help with the initial thought in order to get to the right feeling. But look at what the scripture says here in verse 26. Likewise, Likewise the Spirit also thank you. Yes. helpeth our infirmities. Like the Spirit is designed to help those parts that are broken. Ah, that's what I like. It's designed to help the broken parts of us. Those parts that are ill or unwell. He's designed to help them. Let's keep reading. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Yes. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. So if, if your thoughts are so badly broken that you don't know how to get to good feelings, the Scripture is telling us that the Holy Spirit will step in yes, and, help me. and help you, yes, you pray the prayer that makes your feelings and then your actions right. Amen. That's why we've got to... That's why we've got to be a church that is led by the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we're going to be a church that is led by the flesh and we're going to crash and burn. The Holy Spirit is the one that's going to help us because he's going to pray in a way that your thoughts aren't even ready to pray. 
You know, some of us um, are here today, uh, not because we are particularly good, but because someone else was praying for us. For some of us, it was our parents. Some of us, it was our grandparents. Some of us, it was an aunt and an uncle that was praying for us and helping us. In that exact same way, the Holy Spirit prays for us all. Hallelujah, glory to God. That last 26 again. Yes, sir. Likewise, the Spirit also helped with our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us yes. with which cannot be uttered. Some things that are broken, some things that are hurt, cannot be described correctly. They cannot be described correctly. You can go back over the memory of it. You can, you can engage with it and think about it and speak on it and get help about it. But some things can't be correctly defined. You can't articulate the feeling. And you're saying to yourself, if I can't articulate my thoughts, how can I get to the right feelings? And the scripture's telling us quite clearly that the Holy Spirit will, is able to articulate it. It doesn't even need words. It just groans those feelings into existence. And I just cut. I give thanks for the Holy Spirit. I give thanks for the Holy Spirit today. Uh, I'm trying to explain what I'm going through to somebody and it's frustrating. You can't tell them why the day is as bad as it is. You can't explain to them why this last year has been so difficult. You can't articulate it correctly. And the Holy Spirit's just there praying for you, with you. Just, just helping you in your time of need. Verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should yeah. be for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh the decision with, for us with groanings which cannot with groanings that can't even be uttered, can't even be described. Let me just go move on here real quickly. So then the question really becomes, how do we get the Holy Spirit? Wow, if he's doing this much work for us, how do I get there? Like, like that's the next step to me, is how do I get there? If he's going to do all this work for me, how do I invite him in? How do I request him in my life? Let's go to St. John chapter 7, verse 38, 39. Jesus speaks specifically about this, St. John chapter 7, uh, 38 and 39. In St. John chapter 7, Jesus is, is uh, uh, speaking to the people, and he stops in the middle of it and says this. He yeah. that believeth on me. These are the words of Christ, yes. As the scripture has said. He who believes on me, yes, like the scripture says it. Out of Not, everybody has an opinion about Christ. For some of them, he's just a really nice guy. For some of them, he's a person, a legend who did miracles. For some people, he's a political activist against the Roman overlords. For some people, um, he's philosophically just a new way of thinking about things. But though Jesus we know is the scripture, the one that the scriptures speak of. And what does he say? He that believeth on me. Yes. As the scripture has As the scripture, that's the critical part. You've got to believe him the way the scripture says it. And what does he say will happen? Out of his belly yep. shall flow rivers of living water. Ah, so now you become the source. Yes, yes, yes. 
of water coming out. It's one thing to be led by the Spirit. Jesus says, no man comes unto me unless the Father which sent me draw him. That means we all got here because the Holy Spirit had a part of it. But James John 7 is saying something a little bit different. He's not just saying just be led. He says, let it come out of you. <laughs> if it's out of you, that means it's in you. That means it's your thoughts are leading to feelings. Feelings leading to actions. I want the Holy Spirit in me. Out of him shall come rivers of living water. I want the Holy Spirit, if he's gonna do all this talking for me, groaning for me, helping me, I need the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's keep going here. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, yes. out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. <laughs> verse 28. But, but this he spake of the Spirit, verse next. Verse yes, verse. yes. But this spake he of the Spirit, yes. which they that believed on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus had not yet been So he said, I'm not going to give you my Spirit because I'm standing right here. Basically, that's what he was saying. I'm going to give you my spirit because I'm standing right here. When I leave, I'll give you my spirit and it will come from in you. Right, I'm standing right here with you. You're doing the right thing because I'm telling you what to do. When I leave, <laughs> you're going to need me in you. So that your actions stay consistent with what I've been doing for the last three years. That makes sense? All right, Acts chapter 2, then I promise you I'm getting out of your way. I'm almost done. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, 36. So Peter gets finished preaching, right? This is the first time they preach the word. Bless you all, bless you, bless you. Acts chapter 2, um, he's preaching for the first time without the Jesus being around. Holy Ghost has just fallen, and they're wondering what's going on. And so Peter is explaining the whole thing. He's explaining it because it's critically important that they understand what the Holy Spirit meant, what the presence of the Holy Spirit meant. You have to understand what it means. And so this is what he starts by saying in verse 36. Therefore, yep. let the house, let all the house of Israel know assuredly yeah. that God has made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. What did he just do? He just told them who Jesus is yeah. as the scripture. He just told them who it is that is at the heart of this whole thing, just as the scripture says. And what happens? Verse 37. Now, when they heard this, yeah. they were pricked in their hearts. Sounds like this thought of who Jesus is led to a change of feelings. <laughs> you see what I'm, they were pricked, they were hurt. The thought of who Jesus really was. You mean we crucified him? Wait, what? We did this to him? And then in their minds, what happens? Their thought turned into a feeling. They were pricked in their heart. Keep reading. Now, when they have heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall uh, we do? Their feelings are led to an action. And the action is... How in the world can I fix this? I've got all this feeling that I realize, I know what the thought is. I know what the feeling is. And it's guilt, I've done the wrong thing. You tell me what to do. Tell me what the action is correct for this feeling. What does Peter say? Then Peter 
said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, oh. for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Oh, wow. Let's keep going, sir. For the promise yes. is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Verse 40. And with many other words did he testify and exalt, saying, yeah. Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Scripture says, Then they that gladly received this Amen. word were baptized. Why? That's the feeling they had. I'm glad I received this. I'm happy about this thing. What is the action? <laughs> we'll be baptized in his name. I'm going to receive this Holy Spirit. Then I'm going to break the chain of yesterday. Because my feelings are no longer sourced from me. It's actually from the Holy Spirit. I'm breaking chains here. I'm destroying yokes that we've tied ourselves to. I'm taking my own self captive if I need to because I need to be in obedience to Christ. Today, if you want to be tried by fire, this man Jesus can do it for you. I'm a witness. I believe it. I know it to be true. The song we've been wonderfully saying is I want to be tried by fire. Purify. The only way I have that as near my initial thought is if I have the Holy Spirit telling me, I've got to, you've got to clean some things up here. I am welcoming the Holy Spirit into this room, into this place. May the Lord have blessing to you all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.